G'day and welcome to the Dolby Anglican Podcast. My name is David and I'm one of the ministers at Dolby Anglican Parish. We're a church that's all about knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. This week's sermon is part of our Follow the Saviour series in Mark and it focuses on Mark chapter 10 verses 1 to 16. And it's delivered by Reverend Ken Hansen, who is a police chaplain in Dolby. We hope you enjoy the sermon. The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark chapter 10 beginning at the second verse. Glory Glory to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Some Pharisees came and tested Jesus by asking, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? What did Moses command you? He replied. They said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. It was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law, Jesus replied. And at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. When they were in the house again, the disciples asked Jesus about this. He answered, Anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery with her. Sorry, against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another man, she commits adultery. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Wow, talk about cheese and chalk. I wonder if Mark, in his quickness for detail in writing his gospel, that these two topics follow each other. Mark writes about divorce, and in the next moment, He speaks about children coming to Jesus. They really don't fit, do they? This is all new ground for me, and I really appreciate the challenge. Thanks to David. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, here goes. In this first part of Mark's Gospel, Jesus is questioned about his views on divorce. Jesus' answers is all purpose-driven as he teaches about God's purpose for marriage and to make all people understand about its sacredness. Marriage has been around for thousands of years. To find the beginning of where marriage came into being, we have to go all the way back to the days of Adam in Genesis 2. In that chapter of Genesis 2.23, it says that after God formed woman from the rib of Adam, 
Adam spoke these following words. This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And a little further on it continues. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. Now as the centuries passed by, most people continued to view marriage as a sacred and holy event, with the wedding ceremony being performed by a minister in the church. It was considered that marriage should be honoured and cherished, and that unfaithfulness to your spouse be forbidden. The vows that are exchanged during a wedding ceremony are usually read like this. I think you've all been through this yourselves, some of us, those who were married. I name, take you name, to be my husband, wife, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better or for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish from this day forward until death do us part. These vows are given to express one's commitment to the other, to show that marriage is an exclusive relationship, no other, like no other. The reason that we choose to marry is driven by love. Love is a powerful emotion because God himself is love. And to back that up, it says in 1 John 4 to 8, it says, He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. When love is treated with sacredness, it is the most wonderful and powerful emotion on earth. When we exchange those vows of to love and to cherish from this day forward, we should also have in mind Christ. Do you know that marriage is also sacred because it directly symbolizes the relationship between Christ and his followers, the church? Let me explain what I mean. The typical bridegroom, bride or groom, I should say, vows, could be likened as follows. I, Christian, Take you, Jesus Christ, to be my Lord and Saviour, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish from this day forward. The until death do us part is ruled out. Why, you may be thinking? Because at death, a whole new realm is opened up to the believer. Jesus promised that he would never leave us nor forsake us, so death will never do us part from Jesus. Listen to the Apostle Paul's instruction to the Ephesians, chapter 5, 25. Paul says, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. 
God made the greatest sacrifice ever known to mankind when he came to earth in the form of a man and died for our sins. God requires the husband to view his wife in the same manner. That doesn't mean that the husband must literally kill or sacrifice himself in order to fulfill this promise or vow. It simply means that the husband must be willing to sacrifice whatever is necessary for the sake of his wife. By doing this, the husband shows the same type of love that Jesus has for his followers. That same love that Jesus displays by dying on the cross. This is a very important instruction and a huge responsibility that God has given to husbands. This role should not be taken lightly. Just as Jesus is the head of mankind, so the husband is the head of his wife. In Corinthians 1, chapter 11, verses 3, it says, I want you to know this, that the head of every man is Christ, the head of every woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. Yes, my dear friends, that is what it says. However, some men misinterpret the scripture to mean that a man controls his wife. But this is not the case. Although Christ is the head of us all, he still gives us free will to make our own decisions. Christ does not force us to follow him. He simply guides and encourages us to do what is right. Now you may be thinking to yourselves, what does this mean in this day and age? It means that we should never enter into marriage if we are not sure or lack the love we should have for the other. As can be seen, God has placed great emphasis on the marriage between a man and a woman. It's like, like a spiritual union with Christ himself. Our earthly marriage should always be treated with honour, respect and sacredness. Even when times are tough, we continue to honour our union of marriage, just as Christ honours his great sacrifice with us when we stumble and fall. God will always continue to show love and forgiveness, for God is love. If this is what we think about marriage, then what is divorce? The definition is, a divorce is a legal action between married people to terminate their marriage relationship. There are some cases in which the Bible will allow divorce. One such example could be when one's partner is guilty of unfaithfulness and is unwilling to repent and change his or her ways. 
Jesus' words in Matthew 19, 8-9 on marital unfaithfulness indicates that divorce and remarriage in this circumstance is acceptable. In this passage of Matthew 19, the Pharisees question Jesus by saying, What then? That's the Pharisees asking Jesus. What then did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate and be sent on her way? In reply, Jesus says to them, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you that if anyone who divorces his wife, except for marital unfaithfulness, and then goes and remarries in order to marry another woman, commits adultery. In this day and age, our laws for divorce pertain to a number of causes, including domestic violence, abuse, neglect, sexual immorality. They're just to name a few. All of these are serious offences. Even here in Dolby, our police deal with quite a number of call-outs for situations of domestic violence and abuse. And it's not just here. It's alive and thriving in many other communities as well. It seems that day by day, there could be many more reasons why people are seeking divorce. The consequence of divorce can be shattering, especially when children are involved. It can also destroy the trust and confidence of the people involved. As a church, we should be welcoming and to never shun a divorced person, for they may be seeking our help, care and support. Our acceptance of them will help them to feel at ease so they don't feel alienated as they once again build their lives back together. Our trust and friendship is what they need. Well, I think that's enough on that subject for now. If you need to know more or have any questions, please either speak to David, Zoe, Ian or myself in confidence. Now let's look at the second part of today's readings. Father David, as mentioned previously in an earlier chapter of Mark's Gospel 9 about children being shunned while Jesus was instructing his disciples over who was the greatest. Jesus then placed a child among them while they were grumbling and he says to his disciples, when you welcome even a child because of me, you welcome me and when you welcome me, you welcome the one who sent me. Whichever one of you is the most humble is the greatest. So here again, as we listen to today's reading, the disciples were caught out 
shunning away the children and their parents who really wanted to see Jesus up close. Jesus sees this happening and sternly rebukes his disciples by saying, Who gave you the authority to stop these children from coming to me? After which he beckons the children to come in close and summon surround him. By this action, Jesus is showing that the kingdom of God belongs to all who want to believe, just like these little children who love him, who want to touch him, and who have no fear of him. Ironically, it is the children who understand and display the most basic concepts of belief. The children do not understand the abstract laws and principles like the adults do. These children simply accept, trust and believe in the man Jesus. And Jesus lays his hands on the children and blesses them. Jesus shows them love and the children respond to that love in return. The children do not complicate such matters with rules or laws. They simply believe in the words as Jesus speaks to them. For those who understand, it's as though Jesus looks at the children and sighs softly under his breath. Finally, someone who listens and understands me. Children simply receive things as a gift. They have nothing to offer in return. I can't imagine any youngster racing off to the shops to buy a gift in return. Not a chance, eh? <laughs> Children accept a gift as a gift. And that's what God wants us adults to do. God wants us to let go of the security we have in the things of this world and to just accept his gift, the promise of another home. A great and wonderful invitation to live forever in his heavenly realm. God offers this freely to us with no strings attached. The parents brought the children to Jesus for a blessing and he blessed them. Jesus taught those who needed teaching. He fed those who needed feeding. And he healed those who needed healing. Now he blesses those who need his blessing. And the wonderful thing is, all we have to do is and all we have to offer God in return is our faith, love and trust in him. The Lord be with you.